Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. So much of the relationship that we have with God, it's just information that's in our head. And then when people start talking about meditation or we start talking about some type of interaction with the Holy Spirit, it's like almost instantly you shut off a large portion of the Christian world out there because it's like, oh, I've seen too many weird things in that realm. And so let's just, let's just debunk that now, you know. But it's like, no, you know, there, there is a real uh, tangible, credible, systematic way to have a relationship with the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God, but to have a relationship with the Spirit of God because He's in you and He's consistent and He is the active agent that you need to live above the power of sin, you know? It is His life within you. It's His essence within you. You know, if, if, like, if we could say, if we could take Adam's ability to sing and take it out of him and put it in you, who wouldn't want that, right? I mean, I, I could use a little bit of that. I'd keep my... that's. That, that's what happened. I, I made a mistake. I got up here and I started singing. I'm like, I need to turn myself off. So I turned. <laughs> and then I still had it off. So sorry about that. I could use some of that. You know, if you could transfer gifts from the laying on of hands, but that's a whole nother subject. Uh, I'd take that singing one, right? That's kind of like what, we've, that, what Christ has done for us. He's taken his ability to be righteous and put it in you. He's taken his essence of holiness and who he is and put it in you. Doesn't mean you're God. Doesn't mean you're going to become a God. It just means that you have the life of God within you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, giving life to your physical body, teaching you, leading you, guiding you. The essence of God, the nature of God is in you. He has made you great and precious promises so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. That's just straight scripture. God wants you to be a partaker of his divine nature. And the way that it happens is he's made you these promises. And there's a bunch of promises in there. In fact, it says any promise that he's made, all the promises that God has made are yes and amen. Now there are specific time things that don't relate to you, maybe some specific things to Moses or, you know, like that. But if Jesus paid for it, if it's a promise that Jesus paid for, it's yours now. Amen? But the way that it becomes effectual within you and active within you is an interaction with the Spirit of God. It's not like in your self-effort you just get better at doing something. I mean, if that were the case, we're all in trouble. We're all limited, just capped to whatever our strengths and abilities are. But praise God, you have the essence of God in you to work on you to increase your capacity to experience what he wants you to experience, to, all so that he would be glorified through you. So how does that work for you? Because it's like, well, that sounds great. I got the essence of God in me. Woo! You know, you might get a goosebump or two, but, but how do you actually activate that or engage that or experience that in your own personal life? You know, we could go around and ask, and lots of people would have different answers. And, and for me... I'm visual. I like to see it. I like to be in nature and be inspired by nature. Uh, you know, doing what I do here, I feel like I'm really operating in this gift. And, and for me, there, there's like, 
I get revelation because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hearing God as I'm speaking, like I'm having this conversation with him, and it's coming out at the same time. It, and it builds me. I feel full after I preach. And, but for you, what does it look like for you? So like when you exalt God inwardly, because that's what he wants to do is strengthen you in your inner man, Ephesians 3, so that you would be made whole uh, and you'd be full of everything he is within you. And it's all by his love for you so that you would understand his love that you'd be filled. He's in you, but do you let him affect the rest of your being, right? So how do you do that? So like for, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of insight for me. When, you, when the exalting thing, and I started giving the picture of a temple inside of you, how many of you connected with that? You kind of felt like, oh, there, there's just kind of something within me. And, and it's, that's the way it is. You know, it's going to be half the people do this and this and this. But find something that works for you that puts you in the position where the word of God is alive within you and it, is, it becomes your reality beyond your circumstance. So in other words, you've got these circumstances that you're dealing with. The word of God is the solution. It is the answer. Find something in the word of God. Let it abide within you so that it shifts your expectations. It shifts what you even feel and it, and it prepares you to move into the world in whatever it is that you got to deal with. Amen. But it starts with, okay, life is crazy. I've got a mess. I've got this problem. What does the Word of God say? That's got to be where, that has to be where you go. I mean, where else are you going to go? We have wisdom. You know, there's, there's knowledge and there's experience in this life that we can pull from. But ultimately, it's in the Word of God that you pull that from. So... But you get to get creative with it. You don't get to twist it so that it says what you want. But what does it look like to experience that you are the temple of the living God? Because that's a reality. That's just a fact. You are the temple. You are the dwelling place of God. The Spirit of God lives within you. So what does that look like? So that's where I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of unpacking what happened in my mind and in my heart for just a minute. It, it leads me to a place to think about, you know, I remember being in Paris and we'd walk in these places and they're just like, you know, just don't make stuff like this anymore. You know, you're looking at these gigantic halls and buildings and you're looking around and you're thinking, man, this is, this is just, just the, why are the ceilings so high? You know, you th- that's, that's like the, my thought, why would they make healing ceilings? What's the point, you know? But, but I, so I start experiencing that inwardly and I start thinking, okay, God's in a temple. God is God. He dwells within the temple. I am the temple. And I started feeling almost like this expansion within me, right? And I'm not trying to make this a doctrine, and I'm not trying to say that I had some phenomenal experience that you've got to go copy. But for me, I just felt lighter, and I felt like the increase within me to make room for him. And that was the idea that I was left with. Like, Like, what he's done within me is such a thorough, cleansing, deep work he is in there, and he's in there in his majesty and in his holiness. And, and then you start to feel, you know, like, I don't know, I start feeling the emotions of walking into a beautiful room but knowing that he's in there and he's made it beautiful within me because that's what he does. Whatever his presence touch cleanses, you know. That may be too a little, maybe a little too emotional or too subjective for some of you, but that's fine. What works for you? What are you actively doing to let the Word of God be your truth to override these temporary realities out here? His truth is the only truth. We can be 
as far removed from that truth as we can get and be just crazy sometimes, living in our own reality that feels real, looks real, and sometimes circumstantially is real. But can you inwardly make his word more true than the circumstance that you're dealing with? If there's a promise related to it. Now, if he's called you into a an area of the world to go minister and there's persecution and you find yourself in prison and being beaten. You know what I mean? That you, you have answered your call and you might be in a situation that's a difficulty because you have followed him. But in general, life in general is, is affected by your choices and what you think and what's going on inside. Does that make sense? So can you take the word of God, meditate on it, See it inwardly, adopt it as your own reality and as your own truth, know your place in it because of what Christ has done for you, through you, and in you, and let that be what's coming out of you to change your situation around you. Because see, most of us live, we wake up, and we're affected by the world, and how we feel is dictated by the circumstance that we're in. And it has a lot to do with the people that you're around, the job, that you have or the people that you're around. Now, we're in the Christmas season, and I'm going to talk about some stuff today that, trust me, you're not the only, you're going to think I'm talking about you, and I might be, but (laughs) I'm talking about a lot of us, meaning that we're all getting ready to be around people that, you know, most of us have great families. There's some ogres out there, but, you know, most of us have great families. But you know how it is. It's like, I do pretty well. I'm a pretty good person, but I get around that person. I don't know what happens. Why? What is wrong with me? Are you kidding me? Why, how can I, you know, hello? You know, it's like, I thought I was over that. I thought, it's like, okay, well, a lot of times we're, it's kind of an unfair judgment of yourself because you're in this, these kinds of situations where it's not usual and you've kind of caught yourself off guard and you haven't prepared yourself to be in a situation like that. So, and I've given this advice probably half a dozen times already this year, and it applies in lots of areas, but I want to show you how it applies. So, just like we took the reality that His Spirit lives within us, that we are the temple of the, you know, the temple was where God lived, and the temple is now you. You realize that? It's like you are the traveling Ark of the Covenant. The thing where the Spirit of God lived, that's you now. You walk around this earth representing God, carrying his presence. Amen? So the the goal is how do we yield to that for practical living in life in this situation? So let's just talk about family for just a moment because we're going to go be, we're getting ready to have Christmas dinner and be around people and you're traveling and some people are coming in town and all that. Well, what does it look like for you? Well, you know, this is your family. This is your blood. You want to be, you know, you want to have healthy relationships with these people. Why is it so broken sometimes? Why is it not working? What can you do about it? Let me just, I'll give you one tip. There's, there's lots of different things that you can do, but this is just one thing. So, and this is just a real practical thing. Now, see, your heart doesn't know. Your mind and your heart do not know the difference between a, uh, an experienced imaginary event or the real thing. Now, what I mean, so go watch a movie, right? You ever watched a movie, and the next thing you know, you have tears running down your face? Why? It feels real to you. Your, your mind and your heart don't know the difference. 
Says, no, I don't feel tears. Well, how about football? You ever watch a football game? <laughs> You're standing up yelling at the TV. What's wrong with you? Those people are hundreds of miles away from you. Why are you so fired up about this thing? You're not even in the game. Those people don't even know you exist. Why do you feel that way? That's not your team. You know what I mean? But you're invested. You feel it as if it's real. They score a touchdown. You feel like you scored a touchdown. <laughs> Especially when Georgia Bulldogs are the SEC <laughs> championship. <laughs> All the Auburn fans are like, shut up. <laughs> but anyway, you're watching movies. You, even with other people, right? Some of you have such large hearts. You think about people that are suffering in different situations. I forgot this. Caitlin's home. Yay, Caitlin. I started thinking about you and, and the girls' work that you want to do, and I started thinking about that. But if you have a real passion for people, and you, like a very specific group of people, say they're in substance abuse, or they're being sold into slavery, or, or, just, or, or maybe single mothers that are struggling, and you identify with that, you have empathy for that, you, you feel their pain, and you feel, I, I have to do something. I have to do, because you feel that. Even though you're not in that situation, you feel it. So all of that just to say, your heart and your mind, the, in, your inner being, doesn't know the difference between an actual event that's happening or something that you have let yourself be emotionally involved in. You, you follow me there? So what you can do is emotionally put yourself in the situation that's normally really challenging and difficult for you. And you can sit down, let the word of God abide within you. See yourself. I've seen people, a lot of times this happens with a, at work and a boss. And it's like this boss is just a nightmare. And you're just, you just feel like you're constantly being abused or you're just not being taken seriously. And it's like, all right, sit down and see how you want this to go. Now, you can't, there's some rules in this. You can't, you can't make the other person magically change in your mind. You know what I mean? It's like, because if you go there with it, if, 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 you're, if the meditation of your heart is hinged upon somebody else changing, you're doing it wrong. You're expecting something that's between them and God. It's all about you. What's going on in your own heart? What am I going to do? What am I going to be like? And ultimately, how am I going to represent... You almost got, almost got some on your foot on that one. How am I going to represent God in this situation? So you sit down, you put yourself in that situation, you see the people, and it's like, okay, how do I want to treat this person? I know this person is going to do this. How am I going to let it affect me? Are you with me? I, I will respond this way. And see, what you're doing is you're giving your heart and your mind an opportunity to have a different experience rather than just being thrown into the situation. You know, and, and it's, it's not just, it's not a mind over matter thing. It's you actually exercising self-control before you need it. It's you sh asking, really, God, God, show me what this looks like to reflect your glory in this situation. You know, you're not just some, creating some psychological thing. You're actually wanting God to show you, this is how I want this situation to go. Because that's ultimately what you're trying to get to, is get a vision from God of what this situation should look like, right? And so if you can see it, in your heart, you can live through it in that real situation. But we get caught off guard. So, so, and see, honestly, man, this, this really just opens a huge door for being led by God in general. 
I think sometimes, well, most of the time, we're so distracted by life that we don't have time to sit down and let God guide us inwardly to prepare us for what we're going to be walking into. How many of you ever had a vision, like before you went into something, and then it kind of just unfolds exactly like you saw? Honestly, lift your hand. I want to see. Yeah, a lot of you. Now, that doesn't mean you need to get the future vision gift. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you if that's never happened to you. It's totally fine because it can be just an idea as well. It can be an emotion. It can be something that God does within you where it's like the next time you face that situation, it's like, oh, it just doesn't bother me as much anymore. This isn't, this isn't affecting me as much as it used to, you know. And ultimately, that's about all you can do in some situations is exercise self-control over your own mind, over your own heart, and over your own reactions, because what that will do is, is, let's say this person's constantly pushing on you, constantly grading on you, and they, you keep giving back to them the same thing that just keeps that cycle going. Well, what if you're, you stop? What if what they're throwing at you just doesn't stick and just falls? And What's the opportunity there for God to do in that situation? Because you've taken the responsibility over your own mind, your own heart, your own reactions, and, and it's like, all right, I will do my part. I will yield to God in this, and ahead of time, I know that I can see this situation and how I'm going to respond. But see, here, there's a big problem that we have because we still carry judgment toward those people, and we're waiting. Well, if they would change, then I could be better. Well, what if they never change? What if they never change? What are you going to do? Judgment is where we're going today. I want to talk about judgment. You know, we've talked about um, love goes first, right? Sitting and waiting, well, if this person does this, then I'll act and do this. It's like, no, you don't get, you don't get to be selfish that way. you got to let all that go, and you act first in love. And we've talked about these lists and making these lists and exchanging with each other. This is what makes me feel loved, and, and intentionally bringing love into your home and into your relationships because it's... It's the commandment of Christ, love one another, and it is our love for one another that, is, that shows the world that we follow him and ultimately will cause the world to believe that God sent him into this earth. So that's the strategy that we have. That's our strategy is love. But it's like, okay, I, I can love everybody but her, <laughs> and she's in my family. And one of the reasons why it's so difficult is because we have attached so much significance to their behavior. So this is a big point. Whatever it is that they've done or have not done or been for you, the reason it still hurts you is because of the significance that you've attached to it. It doesn't mean it's okay what they did. It doesn't mean that you're just going to forget about it. You never forget. But it doesn't have to evoke that emotion within you. And you have to no longer let it define who you are. Because that's ultimately what judgment is, is you're holding, someone, you're holding something against somebody that creates emotion within you, and it, that emotion dictates to you, this is who I am. And ultimately, you're letting yourself be defined by this person. And that person, may not, they might not even be a believer. They may not know the gospel. They may not even be yielded to a walk with God and bringing love toward you. And it's like, but you're still letting someone affect your reality. 
That's judgment. Judgment is holding some, somebody in such a place where you've attached massive amounts of significance. Honestly, that's what we have to do with Christ. You have to attach such significance to what he's done for you that you feel it. You identify with it. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's like the reverse for him. You attach such significance. Can you meditate on what he did for you to the degree that you actually feel the effects of it? Or, or is it just you only get goosebumps when the right chord progression happens and the lights are just perfect and you know what I mean? So ahead of time, decide, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with letting this person affect me this way. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't like who I am in that moment. Now, counseling is valid. You may need to go through something to, to come to a place of forgiveness, but ultimately, the Spirit of God can walk you through this process. And it can be done with you yielding your heart and your mind, letting His Word abide within you, and letting Him shape within you what this relationship could look like so that you have hope, maybe have some hope that this thing can get better, you know, but a lot of times we attach so much hope and expectation to the other person changing that we get disappointed. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When that other person doesn't shape up and do right, you get heart sick. You get broken and disappointed inwardly. Why in the world would you ever let somebody that's not living in your own mind and head determine where you are in your heart with God? Amen. But he's impressed by that one. Oh, that's a good point. Are you with me? I mean, we know this. You know, a lot of this is a, there's a book called uh, How to Stop the Pain. I think we've ordered some more. We've got one back there. My pastor, Jim Richards, wrote it. It's an excellent book on judgment. He boils down judgment to the idea that uh, you are assuming motive. And this is what causes a lot of pain for us. You know, I'm going to get to some scripture where Jesus deals with this, but I just kind of want to set the stage and make it practical for you to show you how what he teaches relates to what it is that you're actually dealing with. You know, a lot of times we do, we just read the Bible and it's like, well, the Bible says this, I'm going to be spiritual, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read the word, but then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to live my life and, it, and what I just read has nothing to do with how I'm living my life right here. Like we've compartmentalized it. I've just, I'm going and I'm doing my ceremony and I've worshiped and I feel good, but now I'm going to go live my life and never the twain meet. Too many Christmas songs, so I don't <laughs> So, if there is a situation in your past that you have, you know, you're an adult or you're older now and you've moved past it and the situation has either stopped, maybe you're still around the people, but the dynamic has changed, it's up to you. It's up to you to determine how it's going to go inside you in your inner world. You don't get the luxury to say, I'll change if they change. And you, as the believer, have a responsibility to bring love into the situation. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to be buddies. Maybe, maybe love in particular relationships are just this. I don't get angry and I don't get sarcastic and say something really inappropriate in this situation. Maybe that is a huge step. I can tell by some of the faces, maybe it's not so much maybe. Maybe it's like... Well, that's possible. <laughs> I'm talking to me, too. I do the same thing. 
So let's just look at Matthew 7 where Jesus, this is in the Beatitudes, you know, and, and I did this teaching on understanding the teachings of Jesus. The Beatitudes are interesting because there is wisdom within there that's applicable, but not to the degree that it's your standard of righteousness any longer. See, when Jesus was teaching the Beatitudes, what he was doing was teaching the law to a degree to show you you can't do this. It doesn't mean that it's invalid. We're not throwing out the old covenant. We're not throwing out wisdom. We're just, he's just teaching it in such a way where he's showing you, I still expect this, and my spirit in you can still lead you and guide you to live this way, and I still want this for you. But he's teaching it at such a level where he shows you, but if you miss it, your, your righteousness is now by faith. He's doing what Galatians 3 says the law is for, and that is to show you that the law is to reveal your sin and bring you to the conclusion that you need Jesus. Very, very simply. But, there's, but the wisdom in this is still incredibly valid, all right? So when you read something like this, you kind of have to understand covenantally, how does this apply to me? So it's like when he talks about don't judge, uh, which we're about to read, that still practically applies to you and is absolutely expected of you. But in the Beatitudes where he gets over and he says, if you don't forgive your brother, God won't forgive you. Well, that's not how forgiveness works under the new covenant. That's why people get confused about the teachings of Jesus. And when you have a real heavy new covenant focus, people get confused. They think that you're saying something that you're not actually saying. Are you with me? Covenantally, it does not apply to you to say, God won't forgive me if I don't forgive other people. But does God still expect you to forgive others? Absolutely. Is he going to send you to hell if you don't? No. Why? Because Jesus is the once and, once and for all sacrifice for your sin. That is where your forgiveness lies, in the blood of Christ. If he's in you, you are forgiven. Amen? Amen. So when you're reading Jesus... It's not throw everything out, and it's not everything is applicable to me regarding righteousness. It's in this moment, he's showing me how to walk in wisdom, even though I'm a new covenant believer, forgiven and righteous in his sight. All right? So if you, if you aren't good at keeping the Beatitudes, it doesn't affect your righteousness. However, his spirit within you still wants to guide you to live out the wisdom. All right? So, Matthew 7, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Judge by who? If you judge, who's going to judge you? It's like, I, don't, I don't know. That's okay. I'm tricking you a little bit because I want you to realize a lot of times you hear passages like this and everything is a me. Because, see, we're so afraid of the wrath and judgment of God because we don't understand that it was exhausted in Christ, that a lot of people, when they read a scripture like this, immediately think, oh, this is judgment from God. So let's just keep reading. Matthew 7, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye and behold the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs 
and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. That seems like it kind of comes out of left field, right? Verse 6, it's like, whoa, what? What are you talking about? What he's talking about there is, if you judge others, it will come back to you. Now, in general, what you are getting from people is what you have given them. So there's like this, it's in your mind, wait a minute, this person is awful to me. And you start, don't judge yourself. And now there are some situations where you're around an awful person and you did nothing, they're just awful. It, just ha it, it happens that way. But what is your part? What are you sowing? It says here, the measure in verse, uh, verse 2, the measure you meet or the standard of measurement that you use is what will be given back to you. So he's creating a healthy situation of, look, don't judge others. Don't put, and, and Paul deals with this where he's talking about the church that's letting the rich people sit up front and showing special favors for the, 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 you know, for the people that are more acceptable in society and all that. Jesus is kind of dealing with the same things. Like, look, you don't have the right to judge. You don't have the right to judge others because they sin differently than you. And that's what we do. It's like we've got them. It's like my sin is down here, but your sin is up here. You're worse than me. There, that is an application. But another application is... If you have these relationships and you're just constantly butting heads and maybe you keep having the same problem with multiple people, I wonder what the common denominator might be. Right here. So judgment is this. When you shape up and put somebody, if you look up the word judge, it's talking about building up a frame, right? It's talking about Ultimately, practically, what it means is you've built a frame, you've shaped up an opinion about someone, and you've put them in that box, and that's who they are. Ultimately, we judge people when they've hurt us. This is the box that you fit in because you've done this to me, and I ain't letting you out of that box. I don't care what you do. And sometimes people will start to change. They start to experience transformation, and, and we look at them, and we're like, I don't trust it. Don't trust it. Doesn't fit the box that I have for you. That's judgment. If you have a box for people, if you've shaped up, especially... If you start trying to sway other people's opinion to fit your judgment of that person, should I stop for a little bit? Do we need to get the Band-Aids out? And... You, you have judged someone if you are trying to sway other people's opinions about that person. There's something that you have decided about that person. May be true, but you've sought to actively get people on your side. You've made a judgment, and it's going to come back to you. He says, don't do that. Now, he talks about it a little bit more in Luke 6. Let's jump over to Luke 6 here. Y'all with me so far? Uh, think of ways how this fits for you, especially over the next couple of weeks. Are you waving? Okay. Well, I'm going to get to that, because you know people by their fruit, and this is where we're going in this verse, so you're, you're going there already. Thank you. <laughs> verse, uh, so Luke 6, verse 37. See, because there are some folks that say, don't judge, and then some folks that say, well, you know them by their fruit, so you have to judge. You have to judge sexual immorality. You know, it's like, okay. What he's talking about here is not evaluating if they are living 
biblically, what he's talking about is in your heart, have you decided what kind of person they are? Inwardly, are you playing judge over their life? Are you determining what kind of person that they are? And you've decided what kind of person they are. Now you need all these other people to believe the same thing about them that you believe. There's a lot that I could go into, and I, and I want to keep it where it's practical enough, but, but understand what Christ is teaching here. So in Luke 6, 37, it's the same area. It's the Beatitudes. It's, you know, Luke's version of it. So Luke 6, 37, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Now, you can take God at his word here. It's like, all right, God, I, I, I don't know how this works, but there's some forgiveness that needs to happen between me and these, this person or these people. And you're telling me that if I forgive, I'll be forgiven. And that may not happen because it's up to that person to also engage. But if you step out of the equation of forgiveness not happening, and then it's just left with that person to deal with their stuff, then you just get to pray. Then you get to have peace. Then you get to be at such a place where it's between you and God, and this other person is not in your head any longer. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Condemn basically means they're guilty. You've done this. This is something that you've done, and I'm condemning you as guilty for this. Verse 38 Give and it shall be given to you. <clears throat> now, a lot of people just isolate this and start talking about giving. You know, a lot of times this is the, the, the I'm trying not to label a group of people, but it, this gets lifted out and, and applied to money in certain kinds of places. And it's like, then, then phrases like, well, you can't outgive God come out of something like this. It's like, you can't outgive God. What, what does that even mean? I just made that up. You know, it doesn't even mean anything. But anyway. In context, he's talking about whatever it is that you give, you get more back from people, all right? So give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your lap. For with the same measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. You ever gotten into a situation where it's like, maybe it's challenging with this person, but you feel like it starts to get a little bit better? And you feel like, okay, well, I can kind of loosen up a little bit here. And, and you, so you go ahead and you float that car, sarcastic conversation out there a little bit because you think it's gotten, oh, it's all over. They blow up, you know. They're like, and you're like, I, I'm just joking around. What's wrong? Why? This is a bit of an overreaction, don't you think? Well, what you give is given back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. If you're getting reactions that you think are overreactions, maybe you are continuing the process of continuing to give to them what they are more than willing to give you plenty of back. I'm just trying to talk, help us understand these dynamics of these situations that we find ourselves in relationally. I don't know why everybody overreacts to me. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, you've got, maybe you're kind of just a little too pushing this thing a little too much. You're, you're taking liberties that you're, you haven't taken the time to let this relationship repair to the place where you can do that. Verse 
Verse 39, and he spoke a parable unto them, can the blind lead the blind? I, I didn't cover the pearls before swine thing, but he kind of does the same thing here. Can the blind lead the blind? Uh, shall they not both fall into the ditch? Somebody's got to go first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times you walk into a, 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 a family get-together at Christmas and it's like, the, the, I know these are smart people, but it looks like a bunch of blind people running around bumping in. This is, this is kind of the illustration he's saying. It's like somebody has got to take responsibility for where they are in this situation and lead their way out of it. Even if, it's just, even if the one person sitting in the corner that's quiet trying to keep their peace while everybody else is going nuts over here, somebody's got to be a light. And a be, it's like, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's the same thing when he says, don't cast your pearls before swine. He's basically saying, look, don't have toxicity in your relationships. Don't judge. It's going to come back to you. Walk in forgiveness. However, don't cast your pearls before swine. That's a modern day way of saying, don't enter into codependency where you're doing your thing. You're doing what you need to do. You're taking care of yourself. You're staying at peace. You're seeking to let God shape you and transform you by the renewing of your mind but this person over here ain't getting it, and they're, they're, they're toxic for me. I have to remove myself from that situation. I'm not judging them as a bad person. I'm recognizing the situation that they're in, and I'm making the decision, this is not healthy for me to be, in situ to be associated with this swine over here. <laughs> but that doesn't give you the right to judge that person still. Are you following me? That's what he's saying there. He's like, all right, look, live, live in a way where you're moving toward healthy relationships. But if you find yourself with somebody that continually pulls you back down in the slop and you keep rolling around with that person, you need to draw a line there. Remove yourself from that situation. That's exactly what he's saying. We'll set up a counseling situation over here for y'all. <laughs> You see that, though, with the pearls? Have you ever been confused by, why is he talking about pearls before? He's just talking about, you know, as you're moving down this path, you recognize toxic people, stay away from them. That's okay. That doesn't mean you judge them. In fact, don't judge them or separating yourself from them. Just choose, I don't like who I am in this situation, and I'm drawing a line here. You have the right to do that. Amen. Luke 6, 4. <clears throat> am I going in and out there? The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone that is perfect shall his teacher. I think I am. Bring me a nine bolt there if you would. And why behold the speck that's in his eye, but perceive not the beam that is in his own eye? All right, verse 42. <clears throat> Either how can you say to your brother, brother, let me pull out that speck that is in your own eye, when you yourself behold the beam that is in your own eye? Man, I'm telling you, a lot of people know the Bible. They know the information, but it ain't working for them. But yet they want to judge you because you ain't saying it right. <laughs> Hello. It's like, all right. He's got, he's got real kind words for this. You hypocrite. <laughs> Cast out first the beam out of your own eye, 
Then shall you see clearly to pull out the speck that is in your brother's eye. You do you, I'll do me, basically. It's like, you, you, you exercise some self-control. Um, you know, we're really good at evaluating what that other person needs to do. Well, if they would just do this, their life would be perfect. Yeah, well, what about you? Honestly, this, this, is kind of, this, this applies to spiritual gifts too, you know? People will come in and they start getting open to the gifts of the Spirit and it's like, Somebody will say, and they'll stand up and boast about it. I, I, well, I, can, I can read your mail. I, can get, I get words for people better than I can get words from God for myself. I'm like, I don't think I want you giving me a word. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> I, I'm not trying to curl your toes up because there are some people that do operate in that gift, and it's like, you know, I... I'm not saying you can't. You know, I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of that. I'm just talking to me personally. It's like, if you can't hear God for yourself, I don't know that you should be running around trying to give other people a bunch of words. Amen. I think spiritually that's how that applies. But So, cast out first the beam out of your own eye, then shall you see clearly to pull out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Now, he gets into the fruit thing. For a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For from thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his, of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man, now this doesn't mean just because somebody has bad fruit that you get to judge them as evil. Because don't forget, he started by saying, don't judge. But this is God talking. So he's explaining what's happening. Still doesn't give you the right to judge other people by their fruit. Like some groups would say, well, if you're really saved, then you wouldn't sin any longer. And you're still sinning. Therefore, I don't think you're saved. You don't get to decide that. Right. I'm telling you, a lot of people have been beat up and left church scared to death because some self-righteous knucklehead stood up there and made you feel like you were losing your salvation because you weren't living up to their standard. They are violating what God says about not judging. I just wanted to make that point there. <laughs> good treasure, uh, a good man out of the good... Does it mean you can continue in sin? Thank you. Good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of his heart the mouth speaks. He's just, God's just giving you some insight to what's going on there. Right? But you still don't get to judge. If you're in a situation that there's still pain from your past, it might be time to walk through some things. Ask yourself, why, why is this still affecting me this way? Now, I was in a situation where, um, you know, the past was not so rosy, and I was able to forgive and send that away and, and come to peace. But the person kept on doing the things that I had forgiven them from, right? Right? So it's not like, oh, this is in the past, and I let it go, and everything's cool now. It kept going. 
You gotta make some decisions in that area. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna handle that? Who am I gonna be? And this is why we talk so much about identity in this place because whatever you face, you first have to know who you are in Christ and then through practical instruction like this from Jesus, you realize, you know what? I keep getting this from this person. Maybe I'm the one walking in judgment. And maybe if you're not the one walking in judgment but it's still challenging and difficult, Maybe you have made judgments inwardly that you're still needing this person or you're still putting this person in this box. But the, the, the thing that I would love for you to be able to let go of is the pain of the past. The pain of the past is still lingering around because of the judgments that we've made about those people. Now, you might be looking at their fruit and recognizing that there's chaos and destruction. You know, the only way that you really know people is by their track record. That's kind of another word for knowing people by their fruit, by their track record. You look at somebody, if they've got a repetitive track record of continuing down this cycle and they have one failure after another and one failure after another, maybe they know the word, maybe they're a nice person, maybe you love this person, but it's like, I don't think I want to take marriage advice from this guy that's been divorced seven times, you know what I mean? Doesn't mean that you're judging them doesn't mean that you're saying that you're better than them. You're just recognizing the fruit, and you're not going to let yourself be shaped by something that is not, that this person doesn't have the track record to prove it. It's like, I love you. We're brothers in Christ, but, you know, it ain't working for you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to let your dysfunction affect who I am. And especially if there's a history of, difficulty and challenge in the past that's still causing you pain today, then maybe there is some forgiveness that needs to happen. You know, maybe you need to walk through and, and release this person. The goal is that when you're around this person, that there's not a default button that gets pushed and you reset back to this abrasive, reactionary person, and this person just causes this effect within you. You are not exercising the gift of self-control in a moment like that. And the spirit of the living God in you is able to do a work within you to bring you internally to a place of peace where then you can be a resource for this person. You stop being reactionary and you start being a love pool, a resource toward this person. Doesn't mean that you then overstep that bound into, okay, now I'm good and I'm going to fix them. You don't get to do that. Still between them, you've just safely put yourself at peace. Stay at peace. Let them go. Don't judge. You're going to get it back. But also, if there's still pain from the past, walk through a forgiveness process, and there's people around here that can even help you do that, and, and find that place of peace inwardly because that's what he wants for you. He wants for you to be at peace. He wants for you to be still and know that he's God. He doesn't want this life dictating to you who you are. He doesn't want your temporary circumstances robbing the reality of this righteous nature that he's created within you. He wants you to be a light in this world. And if we're constantly reacting to the pain of the past, we're not going to be that. And you don't do it out of obligation. You do it because God in you wants you to be at peace. You believe that? Can you stop and connect and to just let it all go and reset and find a place of peace? 
or is it always chaotic in here? And then when you get around this person, it's just over the top. That's what he wants, inward peace. Peace guards your heart, and out of the heart flows the issues of life. Your heart affects everything that you do, and he gives you peace to protect that area inwardly so that he can pull those things and grow those things out of you that reflect his glory. Amen? So let's make a decision. Might not, some of you, it's really easy. I need to forgive this person. Or it's, I don't really understand why it keeps happening this way, but I, I would like for it to be different, so I'm willing to, I'm willing to let God show me a different way. You know, maybe, that it, maybe that's it for you. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Whatever it is that you get out of this today, where judgment is still causing pain in your life, whether it's toward yourself or toward other people, we're going to find a place of peace today, and you can let it go. Amen? Father, we thank you. Now, we're doing it now. I'm not ending and then moving into some closing prayer. We're actually moving into that releasing part, all right? So don't shut your heart off. Stay engaged. Father, I thank you that you're alive within me. Thank you that your spirit is wisdom within me. Because I'm forgiven, I can forgive. Doesn't mean that it's okay what they did. It doesn't mean that I'm going to continue to let them affect me. It just means I'm sending away the pain toward me. I'm releasing them from the grip that I have let them have within me, whether they're trying to or not. I'm letting it go. Just take a deep breath. Father, we thank you for your peace. I want you in me more real than anything that's ever happened to me. I want your presence and your truth in me to be more real than anything that's ever been done to me. That is who I am. You are my strong tower and I'm safe within you. Father, I give you my mind. I give you my heart. Shape within me a vision of what it can look like, of who I am in this situation. What do I look like at peace, following you wholly in, in a healthy way? What do I look like in front of this situation? What do I look like at peace in the midst of this difficulty? What does it feel like? be at peace, Lord, to not let this thing have a grip over me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with me. You're leading me and guiding me into truth. You're showing me things to come. You're reminding me what God's taught me. Jesus, we want you exalted. We want we want to be aware, be aware that you have made us a temple. In essence, you dwell within us, and we want to reflect that outwardly. And at any moment, I decide right now, at any moment, I can choose peace. I can choose to acknowledge you inwardly. I can choose to rest in you and the work that you've done within me and let that change my inner world and affect my mind and ultimately my mouth and my choices. And I yield to you. I give you permission to remind me of your peace. And I choose in this moment to know that I can choose peace at any time.
I can reset my inner world to peace so that my heart is guarded and my heart has an opportunity to hear from you, to be led by you. I want to follow your spirit. I don't want anything hindering or blocking me from following you, from being your disciple, from applying your wisdom in my life. I trust you, Lord. I will follow you. You're my God. You're my king. You're my peace. You're my strength. You're my wisdom. I choose you. I choose peace.